This is the morning brief from the Economic Times. Uttar Pradesh, Assam, Karnataka. What do all these states have in common? In all of them, representatives of the ruling party, the BJP, have very recently spoken about new measures to implement a two-child policy. Now, you and I are aware that India is a developing country with a population of over 1.3 billion. So, a common argument that you would have heard goes something like this. We have the world's second largest population, which will at some point become the largest. So, unless there's population control, there'll be a strain on our resources and development will suffer. Sounds familiar, right? For instance, here's BJP spokesperson Anila Singh justifying UP's new policy in a recent TV debate. So definitely in today's state, we know it very well that how our country is overburdened with the weight of population Mm. and for the coming generation and we have to take care because all the resources, whether we talk about water or food or forest, everything is depleting. But if that was really the case, why are economists and population policy experts very critical of these recent announcements. Is the development argument really what underlies these new announcements? Or is there a sectarian angle for possible political gains? And finally, is an alleged population explosion actually hampering India's growth? Or as a recent editorial put it, are these new proposals an idea whose time has gone? Stay tuned to find out. From the Economic Times, I'm Induleka Arvind, and you're listening to The Morning Brief. To take us through what are the facts and what are the myths about India's population growth and its impact on development, I have two veterans in the field with me today. Poonam Matreja is the executive director of the nonprofit Population Foundation of India, and Professor Irudeya Rajan is a development economist and chairman of the International Institute of Migration and Development. Thank you both for joining us today. Ms. Matreja, let me start with you. Coming to the most recent developments, both UP and Assam have come up with bills or made announcements on population control with a two-child policy. While it's true enough that UP is India's largest state with a population of around 220 million, do either of these states actually need a two-child policy? I believe at any point, nobody needs individually or as a country draconian control on their fertility. Decadal growth rate reduced between 2001-2011 to 17.7% from 21.5% over 1991 and 2001. India's total fertility rate has also declined substantially uh, from 3.2 in 2000 to 2.2 as per the SRS sample registration survey. Total uh, fertility rate is the number of children women have of an average in a state or a country. This is the average a woman will have in her lifetime. Sure. And what is the data from the latest National Family Health Survey or NFHS 5 say about this? First round of family planning data from NFHS 5 clearly suggests the country is on the course to achieving population stabilization. And India is expected to peak population 
of 1.6 billion by 2048, followed by a steep decline, bringing the population to 1.1 billion and total fertility rate to 1.3. You see, it is primarily the myths and misconceptions surrounding population growth that have continued to dominate the public discourse. I'd like to come to now first Assam. Mm -hmm. You know, their fertility rate is 1.7, which is much below replacement level. Why are they even daring to talk about two-child norm? Second, let's come to UP. UP is a situation where, yes, in the last NFHS, their total fertility rate was 2.7. But it is coming down for Bihar rapidly and they have very similar conditions. And I'd like to say, since I know the public health systems and family planning programs for both the states, might I say UP is doing a little better than Bihar. There was an expert group set up by the Ministry of Health and Family Welfare. And according to them, uh, UP's total uh, fertility rate would be 2.1 in 2025. So why are they panicking? While the UP bill doesn't mention any particular community, we can't avoid the fact that this draft is, of course, coming right before the assembly elections next year. The Assam chief minister, on the other hand, has Mm. spoken at multiple times about this alleged population explosion in certain parts of the states, you know, the difference in growth rate between Hindus and Muslims. It has been agreed that the population explosion in some part of Assam has posed a real threat for the development of Assam, more particularly in the economic sense. Can you shed some light on the actual growth of minority population in these states? Because this is a bogey that you and I know keeps getting thrown up. So what are the facts? So there is overall data which is observed that total fertility rate has declined in every religion. During 2015-2016, the highest rate of 2.6 was observed in the Muslim. This is decline. All right. 2.6% was the decline observed amongst Muslims, which was followed by 2.1% for the Hindus and two for the Christians. And lowest rate of 1.6% was discerned in the Sikh community. The highest decline in TFR from 2005-2006 to 2015 was observed amongst Muslims across states in India. I also wanted a holistic view on India's population growth over the decades and where we stand, particularly because family planning in India has had a checkered past, mostly because during the emergency under Prime Minister Indira Gandhi, there were forced sterilizations and targets set for each state and so on. So how successful would you say India's population policy has been? Are we at or close to stabilization levels, unlike what, you know, many people who talk about this population explosion tend to assume? We are absolutely close to stabilization levels in India, as I'd like to state that 20 states and five union territories in India have already reached replacement levels. And in fact, many states are in the danger of 
the decline is so fast and so high that they need to do something about reversing their demographic goals. In Lakshwadeep, Muslim population is close to 70%. And even though they have a 1.4 fertility rate, the new administrator of Lakshwadeep has announced a two-child norm. There is no rationale. There is no rationale. They need to do the opposite. But there is this mantra, I think, you know, Muslim equals, we need to do two child wrong. The population across the country does not need any twisting because NFHS as well as religious growth rates are there in infertility rates we have on an ongoing basis through any of these method, data sets, uh, census, NFHS, SRS. All these data sets reveal that the population is declining everywhere very fast. I would like to take the example of China. The reversal of the two-child policy in China earlier this year is proof of the inefficiency of coercive policies. So the country had to abandon its one-child and two-child policy after finding itself in the midst of a demographic disaster. China has announced a major shift in its family planning policy. It will now allow couples to have up to three children. The ruling Communist Party says it is scrapping a strict two-child policy in response to the rapidly rising number of older people in the population. Beijing has enforced birth limits for four decades, but it's now concerned that a demographic crisis could add to pressure on its economy. The country in 19, in, during emergency 77, had a huge setback, I believe, to family planning with the perception that the, after the emergency, Congress lost elections because of forced sterilization. Mm-hmm. 30 years, the pro, family planning program in its implementation was lackluster as best, lackadaisical. You know, we trudged along. And we did not introduce a single new modern method for 30 years. Countries around us like Bangladesh, um, Sri Lanka, Bhutan even, a small country like Bhutan had seven, eight, nine methods. India had five methods and we were focusing only on one method, which I mentioned earlier, 75% of our family planning is sterilization. That also only women. Mm-hmm. We let the men go scot-free after emergency. And even before emergency, there was very low percentage amongst men who accepted family planning. But after the emergency, male uh, sterilization declined to ridiculous level of less than 1%, currently 0.6%. And uh, condom increase slowly over a period of time, but it is still really low. 12% is the acceptance of condoms. So I would like to rate India's family planning program by and large as insensitive to women, letting the men get away with whatever they want to do. And technologically, we are way behind in terms of bringing in new contraceptives, which countries around us have. The noise that we are hearing on the two-child norm, I'm afraid, is not evidence-based policy making, but policy-based evidence making. Some very sobering facts that you've pointed out. Economists have often warned about how a decline in population can actually affect a country's growth. As the world's most elderly nation, 
Japan is dancing with a demographic disaster. People are living longer and birth rates are falling fast. And Japan's aging population is an oft-cited example. Could you tell us what the link is between population growth and economic development? I think the link between population and development are very clear. But unfortunately, it is misinterpreted and it is being discussed in a wrong way because huge population is also good. Low population is also good. Nothing, there is nothing like good or bad. The second point is, even the countries we talk about, you talk about Japan. What is wrong with Japan? Because all the indexes, like you take the human development index, you take the sustainable development index, everybody talks about living longer. If you all promote living longer, people will live longer and they will live longer. For example, even in Japan, after reaching 60, people live 25 to 30 years. Even in India, people live 28 to 30 years. But do you have a policy to accommodate this world people in your policy making? Or you have this, can you utilize this elderly? Because for example, in Japan, elderly are more rich than their children. They are more rich. We should promote healthy aging, productive aging, then we don't need to worry about aging population because it will create economic growth. Then you have an additional component, this migration. Please look at it. Small population. America is not uh, with high fertility. America is managed by migrants. Gulf is managed by migrants. So migrants can be another flyer. We can always use it. I couldn't agree with you more, Professor Rajan. But can you also explain, you know, we took the example of Japan just now, but that's was a developed country. So what happens if the population of, say, even a state like Uttar Pradesh starts declining before it becomes, you know, wealthy or before it becomes a developed state? No, I think nothing will happen. I don't think we should worry too much about that. Nothing will happen. For example, what happened, we have seen during COVID-19 by the Sarmic times. We have seen it, what happened. People from the developed states will go to the better states. That's all. And India is like a, a, a European Union. So people can move. I was telling Kerala has benefited by migration because the money came from abroad and we developed. Our uh, human development has grown up. Now we are transferring back to many states through migrants. Migrants are paid here. They send the remittances to many states. I think it should be welcome. We should not worry too much about that. If the UP is not able to sustain the population, people will leave to the green pastures. That's what Indians are doing. So the UP is not able to provide employment for the growing youth. They will move. Ms. Matreja, if you could, you know, tell us very briefly about, you know, the kind of some of the measures that Uttar Pradesh has proposed in its draft bill, where they've said that, you know, people who have only two children will get extra increments for those in government jobs, subsidies for buying land, and also it mentioned certain punitive measures for those with two children plus, such as not being allowed to contest local polls or apply for government jobs. Do these kind of coercive measures ever work? You must understand and our audience must understand there are two parallel processes that are going on in UP. One is that the chief minister of UP released a population policy last Sunday, which is a policy that people like us, PFI and other organizations like UNICEF and so on have also given input. And it is a population policy which has everything that we have been recommending. It is focused on linking development to family planning. And there is a plan for it. And 
there is a line added at the end after we worked on the population policy the government of up added that if population doesn't stabilize it was a threat huh? we will need to introduce a two child norm and incentives and disincentives if necessary we have not seen these measures work anywhere india or outside india which is primarily china most countries do not follow these coercive norms and disincentives and in up for instance many of the norms that they would like to introduce under the so called incentives and disincentives we must remember that there was a five state study when a two child norm was introduced in panchayats that panchayat members could not have more than two children they would have to resign or and not be able to stand for elections which is what this bill also includes so i want to tell you that there was a study by nirmala butch a former senior administrative service ice officer she found that in the states that adopted a two child policy there was a rise in sex selective and unsafe abortions men divorced their wives to run for local body elections and families gave up children for adoption so that they do not get disqualified so this is a very very strong indictment of the two child norm the list in up lists one for incentives and one for disincentives yeah they have said if you have a one child uh and we are not even talking about two child uh, mm-hmm. both the father and the mother will get one year paid maternity leave maternity leave one year for both and what if they decide to have a second child and move to another state and in a country where when we started six months maternity leave women were pushed out of jobs many people are not employing women anymore because of this factor this is our country this is how we respond uh, to any welfare or supportive measure to a woman how will this even work and even the government's affidavit says to high court and supreme court the ministry of health family welfare affidavit says that coercion leads to distortions and the two distortions that we are referring to primarily is the experience from china where sex ratios went really adverse and on sex ratios india already has adverse sex ratios because as fertility is declining people are doing sex selective abortions to have more boys or at least one boy and india not only has child pref- uh, son preference like china india has an aversion for girls if we were to have a two child norm it would greatly impact our sex ratios and we would have a second distortion that we would have is the the ratio between elderly and young people we are going to have very large because replacement level means that parents will die and children will two children will replace two parents but if people have one child and they do not and fertility minus growth rates happen as it has happened in japan and many parts of india too and europe and america we are going to have this problem where uh, we are going to have a lot of elderly and very few young people to look after them and india doesn't have a social security system so what are the alternatives that states like up and assam could look at instead of coercive methods in the short term you can do things like providing family planning services and yes up 
Assam and most of our country has a young population mm-hmm. who need temporary methods, while 75% of our the method used in India and pushed for is mm, sterilization. Out of all modern methods, female sterilization is the most used method at 75%. And while countries around us, including the two Muslim countries, Bangladesh and Indonesia, have done really well by introducing temporary methods and taking family planning to the doorstep of the women. Now, can't UP and Assam do this instead of go, uh, uh, going through a total social, economic and demographic upheaval? Professor Rajan, my final question to you. If you could perhaps briefly tell us which are the states that have had some success in controlling population growth and what has worked for them? There are many states have controlled the population, not through population policy, what we are talking about. Now, take the example of Kerala, where I live for the last 30 years. When I came 30 years back, Kerala had just two children in every family. You have husband, wife, you have two. It was 30 years back. But if you look at the history of Kerala, Kerala had the lowest mortality. Nobody talks about that. Kerala had the lowest fertility, swear. But Kerala had the lowest mortality. And from lowest mortality to lowest fertility took 10 to 15 years. Because people realized, I can stop with one child or two child because the state environment is very good. Both public and private health facilities, my child will survive. And that confidence was given to the couple something like 40 years back. The second point is, what Poonam earlier said about women education. Look at Kerala, historically. Kerala had the highest literacy rate, including women literacy rate, because there's a link between male and female literacy rate. Look at that. Kerala had high literacy rate, and Kerala had low mortality. Why do you need a policy for controlling fertility? You don't need even one-child policy, two-child policy. Couples will take care. If you, In fact, I was putting a statement if you allow the women to complete 15 years of schooling, even you start today, I think if you can concentrate on controlling mortality and giving education to the young girls who are now in the standard five, can you make them all reach to the graduate level? You have done your job. So it is not development, it's the best contraceptive. I would put education, education of everyone, Specifically to women, if you do that, even you wait for 10 years to reduce fertility, I'm not worried about that. 10 years is not too long. The experts are clear. Education and development, instead of a carrot and stick policy, are what works when it comes to population stabilization. And politicians need to abandon their attempts to tarnish minority communities like the Muslims by making misleading statements. At a time when Indians are having less children than before, We need to think very carefully before embarking on a path that the country's coming generations will regret. You've been listening to The Morning Brief from The Economic Times and I'm Indulekha Aravan. Today's episode was edited and coordinated by Nehal Chaliawala. Do write in with your feedback to themorningbrief at timesgroup.com. The Morning Brief airs every Tuesday, Thursday and Friday. Thank you for listening. Stay safe and have a great day. All the clips in this episode belong to the respective owners.